Welcome to the Happy Sober Podcast, helping people get back in control of their life, happiness, peace, and purpose, and all without a drop of alcohol. For more information and to book your place on our next free quit drinking webinar, visit www.stopdrinkingexpert.com. And now, here's your host, Craig Beck. Hey, how you doing? This is Craig Beck. Uh, welcome on in. Uh, in today's podcast, in the video, and also in the blog that I'm writing today, I want to deal with the, some of the shame and stigma that's attached to problem drinking and getting addicted to alcohol. Because, you know, it's, it's a very strange thing, alcohol. It's the only drug, really, that's socially acceptable but if you get addicted to it, they blame you and they heap all this shame and, you know, um, stigma onto you. Uh, and I think, you know, I've got, I'm very, very proud and pleased and happy with all the great feedback I get and the people who, you know, leave reviews on Trustpilot and write comments on YouTube and things like that. Because that takes guts. You know, you're on a, you're on a channel that's talking about alcohol addiction and it takes some guts to leave a comment. And... Some people say to me, why don't you have more comments? Why don't you have more likes? Why don't you have this? Uh, and I think it's because as much as people would like to, there is that stigma. There is that, you know, pressure on people to not confess to this. And I think keeping this problem buried prevents a lot of people from taking action. And it probably leads to a lot of deaths. Because I keep saying this over and over again, this is not a harmless social pleasantry. Forget what the advertising say. Forget what the marketing people say. This is poison in a pretty bottle that kills people by the millions. The World Health Organization quotes it over three million people every year die because of this legal drug. Think about that. If there was a product released today and in its first year of use, it killed three million people. How long would that be available for sale? Do you think it would make it the full year? Do you think it would make it the, f the first week of going on sale? <laughs> but here we are in this situation. We live in a world where alcohol is everywhere and everyone drinks. And if you don't drink, you're a weirdo, you're a freak, or you're broken. And look, I want to get rid of this stigma that there are broken people who are addicted to alcohol, those dirty, filthy, horrible people, and there are normal people who can drink alcohol and get away with it. Because the vast majority of people on this side who are drinking alcohol and getting away with it for all intents and purposes, you don't know if that changes tomorrow in a week or in 10 days time or in 10 years time. For a lot of them, it will change. For some of them, it won't. But you don't know which one you're going to be. You know, and I talk about my first interaction with alcohol and it's in the blog today. And if you can go to the blog at the website, stopdrinkingexpert.com and like and share it. That would be huge for me because um, Google whacked me in the latest algorithm update. So I, I've lost a lot of traffic. So I need your help with that. If you could, please like and share everything as much as possible. And in the blog, I talk about my first like dalliance with alcohol. And that's when my parents got a new house. And my brother and I, I was about 10 years old, something like that, maybe a bit younger. And we moved into this house and yeah, it was cool. And my brother and I, were, you know, we liked it because we had a bigger bedroom, but that was about it really. You know, we were pretty happy in our old house. Everything was there that we needed. You know, it, was, it was a big deal to my parents though, because it pushed them to the limit financially. 
They, you know, there were times where they, they really thought they'd overcommitted to get this house. It was their dream house. And so when they moved in, they were inviting all their friends around, all their family around to show off the new house because it was, it was pretty cool. But everything was new, all new furniture, everything smelled of plastic, you know, that, you know, new carpet smell was everywhere. It's fantastic. And one of the new pieces of furniture in the house was this amazing drinks cabinet. I mean, this was like something out of Indiana Jones to me. It was like when you opened the doors, a light came on, a spotlight came out and then picked out all the bottles of booze in the cabinet. And they they kind of glowed and radiated and pulsed and said, come get me. It was amazing. You know, I just opened it like this all the time. And to my 10 year old self, the stuff in that cabinet could only be magic. I I presumed, because I'd seen the evidence, that the stuff in that cabinet must be amazing. It must be off the scale. Because I saw the folks come around at my parents' new house. And before they even got 10 foot inside the house, my mom or my dad would say, would you like a drink out of the drinks cabinet? And let me tell you something. I never once saw anyone decline. I never once saw any grown-up come in and go, oh, no, not for me, thank you. They all, their eyes lit up and they were like, yes, please. And so I would watch this and think, well, you know, the stuff in that cabinet, forget your Mars bars, forget your curly whirlies, that stuff must be ambrosia. And so... You know, I was a pretty curious child. I was always taking things to pieces and trying to work out how they went back together. And that stayed with me all the way through my life. And it's, uh, it's brought me a lot of success. It's also brought me a lot of trouble, <laughs> to be fair. So, you know, the fact that I was told that I must never, ever touch the drinks cabinet was never going to be, you know, set in stone for me. That was never going to be the end of the story because I couldn't leave it at that. It was forbidden fruit. I had, to, I had to know what the big deal was about. And so when one night my father sat in this brand new armchair and called out for his firstborn, and I rushed to my father's side and I said, yes, father, what do you want, your majesty? He said, go and get me a glass of whiskey. And my eyes lit up and then I closed them so he couldn't see what I was slyly planning to do. So I went and I poured my father a glass of whiskey. And so I had this glass of magic golden liquid in my hand and I raised it to my face and I, I sniffed it. And I was like, it smells disgusting. I mean, that smells worse than my father's feet after he's been at work for 10 hours. Oh, geez, it's, it's vile. And so I concluded that maybe it tastes good, but smells bad. Yeah, because there's a combination that always goes together, yeah? But anyway, I was stupid. I was 10 years old. So I said, all right, okay, I'll try it. Uh, And instead of just taking a little sip, which would have been sensible, I gulped it like I did with Sprite or Coca-Cola. I just took a huge gulp of this stuff, expecting, you know, know, that was my only experience with drinking liquids. That's what happened. And so I had a mouthful of whiskey and it was burning my mouth. It uh, It was the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted in my life. It was beyond vile. It was just, it was an assault. It was just, 
oh, it was all shades of awful. I think I would have rather eaten dog poo in that moment. And I was stuck there with it because it, it never occurred to me that I wouldn't be able to swallow it. That just never crossed my mind, that this stuff would be so vile and so disgusting and horrible that I wouldn't be able to bring myself to swallow it. So I was trapped. I couldn't spit it back into the glass because then I would have to take a full glass of whiskey into the kitchen and pour it down the sink in front of my mother. How would I explain that? So I, I, I was standing there with this filth in my mouth, this burning, horrible, disgusting liquid, not knowing what to do. And I just couldn't hold it anymore. And eventually I blurted it and spurted it all over the new furniture, all over myself. My mother came running in. I don't need to tell you what happened next. I got in a lot of trouble, but that's not the point of the blog today. The point of the blog today is that nobody sets out to get addicted to alcohol. Nobody assumes they're the ones who are going to have a problem. And I think as a society, we're wrong to, you know, to look at people who are addicted to alcohol and go, oh, look at these poor, broken, terrible people. Have they got no self-restraint? Have they got no willpower? These disgusting, you know, we've got to stop this. Because we all start this journey the same way. Nobody starts drinking because they love the taste of it. I didn't really touch alcohol again for many years until I got into college. And, you know, I, was a, I, went, I went to a very nice, very polite, very good school. And when I left and went to college, I couldn't believe what the real world was like. And it was exciting and it was dangerous. And people were saying, hey, skip, skip class today. Come, come to the pub with us. And I was like, of course, this is cool. I didn't like, I didn't go to the pub with them because I liked the taste of beer. I, I, you know, sometimes I would ask the barman to sneak a bit of lemonade in it. But I couldn't do that very often because, you know, if I got caught doing that, that would have ruined my street cred. I, you know, I wouldn't have been part of the cool gang. But I didn't bump off school to, uh, you know, college to go and drink because I loved the taste of beer. It was to be a part of a gang, to be cool, to be doing something rebellious and exciting and dangerous. And then one day it all changed. I remember it. I was at work and my boss really he gave me such a grilling that day. He really yelled me out. He was giving me the hairdryer treatment about something I'd done at work. And he, I was in his office for like an hour and he was screaming at me for an hour. And when I left, I went home. It was lunchtime. It was about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. I went home and on the way, I bought a bottle of whiskey. I thought, I'm just going to sleep the rest of the day. Oh, what a terrible day. I'm just going to sleep the rest of the day. And I bought a bottle of whiskey and I drank it. And that was the first time I ever used alcohol to change my state. But you see, there was a journey to that. I didn't, you know, I'm just not, I'm not the sort of person who does that by default. I had to learn how to do that. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to say in the blog today, and I apologize if this is a, this is a little bit long-winded, uh, I'm just trying to give you a bit more depth and flavor of kind of where I came from and how I got to this point. 
is please like and share this because I want to get the message out that people who get addicted to alcohol are not to be pitied or to be chastised or to look down upon because it could be you. Look around you. You know that guy sitting in the park drinking alcohol out of a brown paper bag? That's not how he was born. That wasn't his default position. That could be you. It could be any of us because alcohol is an evil drug. It is not a harmless social pleasantry. It is indiscriminate. It doesn't care about your sex. It doesn't care about your background. It doesn't care how much money you have. It doesn't care how good your family is or how important they are or whatever. It could be you. Don't think it couldn't. Because all these people you see who are desperately out of control with their drinking at one point or another were perfectly in control of it. And they thought exactly the same thing, too. So let's start a movement here. Let's start getting this out in the open, that this is not a harmless social pleasantry. This is a dangerous, evil drug that is killing people, and it has to stop. If you want help, I will be thrilled to help you out with this. Go to the website, stopdrinkingexpert.com. Sign up for the free webinar. Download the podcasts. Uh, If you want, come along to a boot camp. Boot camp's a really intensive way of dealing with problem drinking in one day. Uh, We've got San Francisco coming up in three weeks' time, and New York's coming up in about six or seven weeks' time. Got Nashville next year. London's coming up as well. So it's all over the place. And if you've got a problem with alcohol right now, if you're drinking every day, and wine o'clock is a part of your daily routine, and it's making you miserable, then why not fix it in one day? I know it sounds too good to be true, but I'll talk about that in boot camp. Anyway, look, I think I've spoken for long enough today. uh, And thank you so much for watching. Please like and share, read the blog, and I will see you very, very soon. Thank you.